Hey, Gaggle listeners, it's your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. Today, we'll have a bonus episode for you that's linked to a breaking exclusive news story. That's why you're getting an extra episode this week on a Monday. We highly recommend you read the article by our colleague, Brian Randazzo, by subscribing to azcentral.com. We'll be back on Wednesday with our usually scheduled episode of The Gaggle as well. Enjoy our conversation. In 2020, Arizonans voted to legalize recreational marijuana, and it opened the door for both local and national marijuana companies to flood the market. Recreational marijuana has slowly been making inroads in many states, but the substance is not as highly regulated in Arizona as one might expect. We are in the wild west of marijuana production, and that means some corners are cut and standards aren't always consistent. Welcome to The Gaggle, an Arizona politics podcast. Today, we'll hear how some cannabis companies have failed to keep their products free of contaminants and what that means for users. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I'm a national politics reporter for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national politics reporter. We're joined today by Ryan Rendazzo, business reporter for the Republic. Ryan, welcome back to the pod. Thanks. So the big takeaway here from your investigation is that some of the cannabis that people buy in Arizona has been found to be contaminated. State law on marijuana sales requires that products be tested for pesticides, heavy metals, and E. coli. But your investigation revealed that testing can be pretty shockingly lax. How did you discover this? Well, the way a lot of good journalism starts, it was a tip. And the tip was that there was contaminated product on the market. So I went out and purchased that product and convinced my editors to pay for a state licensed lab to test it. So all marijuana has to be tested in a lab. So the assumption would be that if it had to get tested to show it was free of contaminants, then what is in the stores would be clean. And that is not what we found. The lab that we took the marijuana to found levels of a pesticide more than 20 times what the state would allow in that product. So was the problem with the lab and a failure to adequately test, or was the problem with the cultivation of the marijuana? Well, that's a great question, uh, and that's something that we spent several weeks investigating. Most people, when they hear that there's contaminated marijuana being sold, would assume, because of the state law that requires testing, that the lab did something wrong. But through weeks and weeks of investigating and countless public records requests, we found that the lab that gave the passing analysis to this marijuana was found to have not fabricated the results. So somehow, this grower called Grow Sciences had contaminated marijuana, multiple batches of contaminated marijuana, in fact. What they sent to the laboratory was clean, and the lab produced a result, an analysis, that said this marijuana is clean and can be sold, and the company ended up selling the marijuana using that analysis. But what we found is that what went to the store was not clean. So somehow clean marijuana got sent to the laboratory to get the passing analysis it needed and dirty marijuana went to the store and was sold exclusively to medical patients. Help us understand this process a little more clearly. Who's doing the testing and what does the law actually say when it comes to testing marijuana? 
So lawmakers tried off and on for years to do something about testing. And in 2019, they finally did pass a bill. It was unanimous in the House and Senate. And it required, starting in November 2020, that everything that gets sold be tested by a laboratory that is licensed by the state. So the state has to check on the labs, make sure they're good at what they do. They can audit the laboratories. And then every product, every uh, hand-rolled joint that they sell at a dispensary, every one-eighth glass container of uh, cannabis, every package of gummy edibles has to be tested for contaminants. That started in November 2020. There was concern at the time there weren't enough labs, there would be a shortage. But the industry has worked through that. Now there's a couple dozen labs or about 20 labs, I believe, uh, licensed by, uh, by the state where dispensaries can send everything. Every product on the shelves uh, has to be tested. Of course, in the meantime, Arizona passed recreational marijuana as well. So when the law became effective, it was only medical products. And then a few months later, in January 2021, recreational sales began and all of those products had to be tested by a state licensed lab as well. So again, the thought here from lawmakers and consumers was that now we have a law that requires this stuff to be tested before it's sold, so everything that's on the shelves should be clean. Okay, so you convinced the editors to spring forth some testing here on this marijuana. What did you find? Well, I had the two samples of marijuana initially tested for pesticides only. And the tests that Arizona requires screen for almost 60 different pesticides. And the results came back and they showed that for one pesticide called imidacloprid, this cannabis was way too contaminated to sell. To get into the numbers a little bit, the state allows 0.4 parts per million of imidacloprid. So a very trace amount can be in dried marijuana flour. And the test that we paid for found eight point something parts per million. So we're talking 21 to 26 times the state limit. And the the big question that that begs, of course, is what effect does that have on users, especially who would be smoking this instead of ingesting it in any other form? So imidacloprid is really common on food crops. And if we were talking about a food crop, then the Food and Drug Administration and the EPA would have limits on what you can have on strawberries, grapes, pineapples, tomatoes for imidacloprid. And they would also be testing for that, which is how the United States issues food recalls all the time. Marijuana is illegal at the federal level. So that means there's two problems there. One, we don't know what imidacloprid does when you smoke it with marijuana because that has not been studied in depth. Two, there is no national standard for how much can be allowed on cannabis products because, again, marijuana is illegal at the federal level. So the states have been left to decide how much, if any, of these different pesticides are allowed in a product that most consumers who use it smoke. So we don't know a lot, but imidacloprid is not the most dangerous pesticide out there, and, and certainly no one is making that claim. The concern, however, is... The state testing is supposed to identify things that we do know are dangerous, like E. coli and aspergillus, which can be dangerous to people with compromised health who might inhale it. There's solvents that these labs are supposed to be testing for. So the patients that I've spoken to are concerned that if a premier company like Grow Sciences, which charges like double the amount for cannabis than other companies, if they 
can get a contaminated product to market, that is very concerning because there's about 130 licensed growers in the state. And if the most premier, prestigious, high-end one is sending contaminated products to market unknown to state regulators or uh, uncountered by state regulators, then what else is, is making it to market? And that's really the concern, I think, that this investigation has brought out. What was the response from that company when you confronted them with your reporting? Well, I actually got to talk with them in person because they're expanding in Phoenix and they invited me just as we got our test results. They happened to invite me to tour their new indoor farm that they're building. And so I asked them about what had happened and how would it be that I could go to the store and buy their product and it would be contaminated. And surprisingly, they told me that they had lots of contaminated marijuana last summer, that they got some pests in their building and they don't usually use pesticides is what they told me, but they had rogue employees who somehow treated multiple crops with some pesticide that contained imidacloprid. And they discovered this, they told me, and what their explanation was that they tried to separate the good from the bad, that they tried to throw away or destroy the contaminated marijuana and only send clean products to market. Some of the things that we learned during this investigation really bring that into question. For example, they sent the marijuana to two different labs for testing, which is just not really contemplated in the state rules. A grower is supposed to send their marijuana to one laboratory. And if there's a problem with the testing, then they have the right to have that sample sent to another laboratory to see if it's clean. And if it is, then they have to send it to yet a third laboratory. And if it gets two clean tests, it can be sold. But if at any point in time they get a second test showing it's dirty, it's got to be destroyed. There's nothing in the law that says you can send it off to two different people a couple days apart and then take the results that are more optimal for, for you. But the company said that what they were doing is common. Uh, because of problems with the state testing regime and that they don't always trust the results they get so that they commonly send marijuana out to multiple labs. This is clearly a problem with the law that Arizona has enacted if it's common for growers to do this and to have these differing interpretations of what the law calls for. So medical marijuana has been here in Arizona for some time. Recreational marijuana followed, but there were things that needed to be done to try to maintain the integrity and the safety of this product. Lawmakers, as you noted, tried to address this recently with some of these testing requirements. That clearly doesn't seem to be enough if this sort of thing is happening all the time. Is there any talk about further tightening up controls and standards on some of this product that is being used every day by thousands of people here in Arizona? So you're right. The legislature did try to tighten this up and, and to clean it up and, and uh, make sure that medical patients primarily had clean products. And now, you know, there's recreational users probably doubling the amount sold. As part of the testing law, there's what they call an advisory council. So these are representatives from dispensaries, representatives from labs. There's a patient advocate. And they are helping the Department of Health Services implement the testing law. So the lawmakers say you need to test. DHS came up with pages and pages, 20 some pages of rules for how to test. How do you sample it? Where do you, you know, what part of the plant do you sample? How do you mix it with water to make sure you have a homogenous uh, sample of cannabis to test for pesticides and metals? 
That advisory group, when I started speaking to members of the group, first off, none of them were surprised that there were contaminants in marijuana. So that should tell you something, that it was no surprise to the people in the industry who uh, are experts in this to know that there was contaminated product out there. They are working on a host of issues that they tell me they see as shortcomings to the law. So they're allowed to meet and discuss issues with marijuana testing, relay that to the Department of Health Services, and then the DHS can tweak the rules for how this testing law is implemented. All the members of that advisory council that I spoke with and told that we had found imidacloprid said that that was something they intended to bring up at those advisory meetings. Arizona is not alone in allowing recreational marijuana at this point, and medical marijuana likewise goes back quite a ways in other states. How have they handled the question of testing and contaminants compared to Arizona? Do you have a, a sense as to how this has played out elsewhere? Yeah, so the states all get to do it on their own since there's no federal uh, requirement. But the other states do some something that's very key that Arizona has not done yet, and that's that they test the marijuana themselves. So in California, for example, in Colorado, they have laboratories where if they're doing an audit, they can take the marijuana product to their own lab and see if what is being sold to consumers is in fact clean the way the lab analyses show. Arizona doesn't do that. They do crack down on the labs. So in this instance, we learned that when we got the tip about contaminated marijuana, so did DHS. And DHS went to the lab because that they suspected that they had cheated and gave a bad analysis. And they audited the lab that gave this marijuana its passing grade and found that there were no problems. So the labs do face scrutiny and audits. But at that point, it appears that DHS stopped, that they did not go to the store as the person had told them in this email that we obtained and, and actually purchase the marijuana that they were told was contaminated. The Republic got a very similar tip, went to the store, paid to have the cannabis tested, and confirmed it had pesticides. So that's more like what would happen in other states. California, again, and Colorado have this ability to test it and confirm, and then they can issue a recall, which the state of Colorado actually did for this exact same pesticide back in December when they found that it had been used in a host of products sold all around the state. So the co-owner of Grow Sciences says... Yeah, this was a problem. Some bad stuff got through. Do we know how much more is out there? Like, if you're out there, you got some product sitting at home. I mean, how do you know if it's safe to use? So in our story on AZ Central, we identify the batches that we confirmed to have pesticides. And we confirmed two of Grow Science's batches were sold to consumers probably all in August and September of last year. If someone still has that sitting around, they could identify it because the batch numbers from the tests have to be printed on the labeling. So they would have this sort of obscure string of letters and numbers that would indicate if that batch number matches the, the batch numbers that we have printed. But I think your bigger question is how much was out there from this company? They told us they had multiple batches. They didn't tell us how many that were contaminated in their Phoenix growing operation. They weren't sure how it happened. This pesticide can be applied through the watering system. So I have to question how much of their crop really was contaminated. 
how much did they destroy? They wouldn't tell us that. And how much of this contaminated product really did make it to consumers? All right. So without disclosing state secrets, you have got to uh, give us a sense of what the response was from your editors when you asked if you could go out there and buy some product and get it tested. I mean, clearly they bought in, but what did it take to get there? To their credit, uh, when I told them what I was working on, they were extremely supportive. I began covering cannabis around 2018 when it was a medical-only market. And so that meant at the time, I could not even walk into a dispensary and see what it was like or what was going on in a medical dispensary. So I got a medical card so that I could do that. If I didn't have that, I would not have been able to purchase the product that I was told was contaminated because at the time, it was only being sold to medical patients because it was this really high-end product. So I did uh, have to share that with my editors who still were supportive, but I think the bigger hurdle wasn't just purchasing the cannabis, which was a few hundred dollars. And we did purchase more, I should mention, from some other companies just to see if this was widespread. If this company has contaminated product, then who else might? And so we did go spot check some other dispensaries and there was no contamination that we found in those other ones. But the big cost was the testing and we did not tell the lab. And so we had long conversations about how do we bring this to a lab we're not a dispensary, just pay them cash to, to test this product and not tip them off of what we were doing. So we you know, had to put it in generic sandwich bags so that they didn't know that they were testing Grow Sciences or, or these other dispensaries products. And then filing that uh, expense report for several hundred dollars at a time for the marijuana testing, I was certain would get flagged uh, by the mothership Gannett, but I was reimbursed, so everything worked out fine. Money well spent. Thanks so much for joining us, Ryan, and you can find his reporting on azcentral.com. Ryan, if people want to contact you, where can they find you on Twitter? I am at Utility Reporter. That is it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. And I'm at Yvonne Winget. Today's episode was edited and produced by Kaylee Monahan. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. And stay up to date on local news by downloading the AZ Central app. And check out our other podcasts by following AZC Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. For The Gaggle, I'm Ron Hansen. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.